Hey guys, welcome back to the Survival Show. I'm producer Ben, of course. Thank you for tuning in to today's Manly Musings with Craig Cottle. Before we get into today's show, I want to personally thank our supporters over on Patreon and over on our new Anchor website. You guys are the grease in our wheels, so we thank you so, so much. We couldn't do this without you. All right, guys and gals, let's get into it right now. Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Blind School, co-host of the Survival Show Podcast, coming to you today for another Manly Musings. Going to take a detour from our normal uh, introspective topics. Well, I don't know, maybe this might be a bit introspective, but what I wanted to discuss today is to uh, share with you my experience at Blade Show 2019 in Atlanta, Georgia. I had never been to Blade Show until this year, it's my first year. And a lot of my friends in the survival, writing, uh, outdoor industry, if you will, have been going for years and saying, Craig, you need to go, Craig, you need to go. And so um, I didn't purposely plan on going. I uh, I kind of left the weekend opened uh, when I'm scheduling stuff because I've got stuff that I schedule all the time. And then I thought, man, if there wasn't nothing going on that weekend, I'd drive down there and go. And that's what happened. So I didn't get advanced tickets, which is a topic that we'll discuss in a minute. But uh, it wasn't that expensive to go down there. And so I'll tell you how I saved money and made it a real cheap uh, event to go to and enjoy. But what I thought I'd do is discuss, again, the good, bad, and the ugly of Blade Show. Because there's some of each of that. And uh, my purpose here is trying to share my experience so that you can learn from the things that I did right, the things that I did wrong. And that way, if you want to go to Blade Show, then you can and you can have a good time and, and make it affordable for yourself and try to enjoy it. There's some things you're going to like that I don't like, and there's some things that I like that you probably won't like. But uh, that's what I thought I'd do is just share my experience. So uh, if you follow me very much at all and you've read my books, particularly my second book, Ultimate Wilderness Gear, which just sounds kind of crazy, but uh, I'm not a big consumer of goods. Uh, I'm not the, one of these people that has to have the biggest and the baddest and the newest and the shiniest piece of gear. Matter of fact, I kind of look at that kind of stuff um, kind of negatively more than anything. So... What I mean by that is that I, I didn't go to Blade Show to buy a bunch of knives. I went down there to meet up with people and say hello and shake hands and look people in the eye that I'd only met online and chatted with. And so there was a lot of that that happened, which was really good for me. Um, you know, I'm just typically a guy that I find something that works and, and, and I use it until it breaks or it doesn't work anymore. Uh, sometimes I will replace gear if there's something of higher quality. Something that has happened throughout the last 10 years of Nature Reliance School is, you know, just as an example, is water filters. You know, I started out with a certain water filter and went to another one, and now I'm to a water purifier. And so, you know, that's just because technology has gotten much, much better with that. But knives, you know, there's some designs out there, and particularly the knife design that I have put together that LT Wright's going to be doing and building for us. Uh, I, I think is is worthy of purchase, and I think, obviously, uh, I wouldn't be designing a knife if I didn't think we were putting together a great knife. But at the same time, I just have to wonder how many people are just collectors and they don't really use their knives and stuff of that nature. 
So, you know, one of the earliest mottos for Nature Reliance School, and it's part of our logo, if you've ever seen is we're practical meets natural. And just to give you some background on how I feel and why that's part of the logo is that what I wanted to do with Nature Reliance School is combine basically old school methods, you know, natural methods, primitive skills, the way Aboriginal people did things, and Native Americans, for example, and then add in the practical side of things, which is, hey, everybody can't flint nap and it feels comfortable sleeping on the ground and building a, you know, a cattail shelter or what have you. So I wanted to add in, hey, this is how you use a tent properly. This is how you use a sleeping bag and, and everything as best we can somewhere right in the middle is where I wanted the majority of Nature Reliance School folks to come from. And quite frankly, we have done exactly that. Uh, we have people that appreciate the old skills. They do have some equipment, but they don't, you know, purposely just buy the latest, greatest thing like most people do. So, so basically, we have two ends of the spectrum there. We have the consumerists that are down there on the practical side that are buying anything and everything that comes out. You know, our Nature Reliance School folks who very rarely do that. You'll see that a lot in the survival schools that sell a lot of gear because they're basically pushing their gear all the time because that's how they make money and and i'm not faulting them for that it's just a, it's a way of making a living i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i'm just saying it is what it is and so those that sell gear have to sell gear in such a way that they want you to keep coming back and selling and buying your gear buying their gear so those are consumers that's on the far end of that practical scale and then you have the hardcore people that still live off the land as much as they can they may have a, a a small van they live in down by the river kind of thing but they're they're napping flint and they're uh, building shelters and hand making goods and living in uh, wiki ups and stuff like that for a large portion of the year and i think both ends of that spectrum are good people most of them are really good people and so again i kind of fall in the middle and i think because i fall in the middle and I'm the primary instructor. I teach most of the classes for Nature Reliance School that, uh, you know, I attract that kind of person too. So that's, that's the mindset of how I went to Blade Show. Not real far on the uh, consumer end of the scale and not too far on the aboriginal primitive side of the scale. So... I hope that helps, uh, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was just my trip down there. So I live in central Kentucky when I did a Google Maps search, and this is all stuff that just help you. Uh, I hope it helps you if you want to go. I did a Google Map search. looks like it was going to take about six hours for me to drive down there. Um, it, where you're going to was the Cobb Galleria, and there's some really good things about where that location is and some not-so-good things. And what I thought I would do... And this is one of the ways I saved money as I looked at the map and just looked up campgrounds north of Atlanta because I'm not a big fan of staying in big cities. You know, I am a little bit of a, a little crazy survivalist in that I, if I'm going to go to a big city, I like to go in and I like to get out. I don't like to spend any more time in there than I have to. And just if if it helps you understand how I go about doing things, like if I go to, a, a, if I go on any trip, but particularly if I go on a long road trip, anything over a couple hours, then I take specific gear so that if something huge happens, I can walk home. Meaning I have the gear in my vehicle 
that I can walk home and keep myself safe from Atlanta, Georgia, back to Central Kentucky. Now, that is overkill for a lot of people, but that's just the way I do things. And so with that mindset, I like to just, I like to, again, I wanted to go into Atlanta, do what I wanted to do there, and then get out. So I looked up campgrounds just north of Atlanta and found a place um, in an area, I think the general area was called Red Top Mountain, Georgia. And there were three campgrounds there, Clear Creek, um, uh, Red Top Campground, and then McKinney Campground. And all three of them had some vacancies. So I just wanted a spot that I could go to shot or shot, go to Blade, do my thing, and then go back out there. It was only 30 minutes away. Go back out there and stay in a campground, sleep, uh, have a picnic table. My main thing is, is uh, I wanted to be able to get a hot shower or at least a shower, not necessarily a hot shower, but a shower so I wouldn't be nasty while I was at Blade Show. And so McKinney Campground turned out to be beautiful. It's a beautiful campground down there. Uh, there was a lake. I didn't look at my my topo to see what the name of the lake was, but beautiful lake, a lot of campsites right around the lake. Um, they had a bathhouse there, clean toilets, clean shower, able to brush my teeth and all that kind of good stuff and not worry about being in a nasty place so that all worked really well for me so I, I got that on the way down before i went to blade on friday got down to that part of the world somewhere around 12 o'clock got the campground and then i drove down to blade um that was that was fairly benign there was no any problems the google maps took me right to cobb galleria sort of this is where part of the problem comes in is that um, the street signs were great. Google Maps was great. Signage for the event was absolutely horrid. I did not see the first sign for Blade Show. And for somebody like me that this is my first time, that was a problem. Because I'm looking at a lot of big buildings there and two or three or four different parking garages. And I have no idea where the particular and best place and at least legal place for me to park and and go into the show so you know i just pulled out good situational awareness and started looking at people and looking at parking lots and drove around a little bit and i found a parking lot that had a bunch of four-wheel drive trucks in it and in atlanta georgia that's that's the anomaly. That's the thing that stood out. You don't find parking lots full of four-wheel drive trucks. So that's my first hint that we're looking at a place that's got a bunch of uh, people that like knives. So I got to looking at the people that were walking out, and it was raining at the time. I mean, like heavy, heavy rain, like a rain where you got your windshields on the highest setting it will go. And as I'm looking at these people, they just got the look, you know. They're carrying little backpacks. Uh, they're carrying fanny packs. I did. I saw one person carrying a big machete, and I thought, okay, there's a dude walking through downtown. Well, it wasn't even downtown Atlanta. Walking through Atlanta, and and this has got to be Blade, or at least I hope it is. Or this guy's carrying a machete for the wrong reasons. But anyway, so I, I quickly tried to find a parking spot in that area, and I found a parking garage. No signs at all into this parking garage telling me this is event parking no signs at all saying that this is a private parking garage none zero so i went in there found a parking spot on about the third level first two levels were full got in my truck walked out started to walk out and then started raining harder than it was before so i looked at my radar and noticed that that on my radar that this rain was going to last for about 15 minutes so i just hung out in the parking garage for a while while all these other folks just 
got soaking wet running into, um, and it was probably 200 yards away running into this building that I'm assuming was going to be Blade Because, again, I have still yet not seen the first sign. Not yet. So, anyway, I waited it out. Uh, rain slowed down enough that I could walk, and I got wet, but I didn't get soaked. One of the first things that I did when I got in there again is that I had to buy admission. So I went to get a ticket for general admission. I did not prepay. Um, I had an opportunity to get some VIP tickets. And so if you ever get that chance, do that. That's one thing that I didn't, that I did not do that I wish I'd done because I would have saved about half my money. It was $55, I think, for three day pass, $25 a day, otherwise for people like me just doing a general admission so you can get pre-event tickets i think they were like 35 bucks or something so but those quit selling about a month out so make sure if you're planning on going that you you look at blade you get on your calendar and then you know three months out you get tickets and stuff like that so anyway that that's something to keep in mind i had a wait of about five minutes in line waiting to get tickets now Later on, that's going to be a problem. On Saturday, that was a problem, a real problem. So they gave me a bracelet that I was to wear for the weekend that gives you uh, an idea. If you're looking around, and this is always something, just paying attention to people, is that the people with um, chest nameplates, the ones that hang around their neck, I don't know what those things are called, but you know that's where you get to see people's names, and, and so that's, that's easy. Because you think you might know somebody, and then you look at their name tag, and yeah, that's that's who I thought it was, and that helps quite a bit when you're seeing so many people you may or may not know. So, when I left the general admission, what I discovered is that there was a huge door that was leading into Blade Show. Again, this is the first time that I've seen a sign, a decent sign, Blade Show, and it has a big welcome sign. There's security people there. And so I walk in there. And so when I walk in there, I see this room and I'm, you know, again, keep in mind, for those of you who've been to Blade, you, you see the, the things that are obvious to you now, but they're not obvious to me. That's why I'm sharing it with people that might want to go. I go into this first room and I'm looking and go, man, this is, quite frankly, this is not impressing me at all. I just didn't understand what people had such a big deal about. And so what I later found out is that I'm in the overflow room at this point and they purposely did that they put where you get your bracelet and what have you right next to the overflow room to put people in there because everybody wants to go to the big what's I don't know what it's called but the big room okay so as soon as I walked in I was walking right next to some of the guys from Georgia Bushcraft Uh, they Georgia Bushcraft has a, a pretty significant online presence at this point. Got a really nice Instagram. They do these gatherings in the spring and the fall, I believe. And those guys had, uh, we had chatted briefly last year about me coming down and teaching a class and then the scheduling didn't work out. And so I might do that next year. We'll see. But uh, I wanted to check in with those guys and meet them in person. So I shook a couple of hands there. A couple of people had listened to the podcast, which is great. And so that was nice to make some, uh, make some connection with people face to face. They were selling some small tools and some logoed material from Georgia Bushcraft. Looked like to me they were really pushing hard their mugs and their coffee. And so um that that was real prominent. They were giving it looked like they were giving some free coffee away, which I'm not a coffee drinker. But um really they got some really cool logoed material. And so uh 
if you're interested in them, look them up online. I'll try to have links for everybody down below. So after I figured out that this is the overflow room, I wanted to head over to the main room and go meet up with the folks at LT Wright. And so those of you that have been following me much at all know I've designed my first knife, and LT Wright is who's going to be building it. Great company, great people. And so what I wanted to do was go over and say hi to the guys and gals there. Like a few months ago, my wife Jennifer and I went up to LT's place, and we did a a video up there showing the process of building a knife at LT shop. And we got to meet the fine folks that work there. Every, every aspect of the job, all the way from the, the computer work and shipping and, you know, grinding and uh, building the knife, the heat treats and, and handles and, and gluing and blah, 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 all the stuff that goes into check that video. It's a really cool video. And so uh, I met a lot of the guys and the gals there at that trip and wanted to just say hello to them again. I also had my prototype knife. They had sent me a prototype about two months ago. I've been putting it in the hands of all of our students in Nature Law School classes this spring thus far and just getting feedback on it. And so I had two tweaks to it, two little tweaks really more than anything. And so I, I wanted to tell LT about it. So I told LT about it. And now we're on the way to getting that 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 last prototype done so that I can make sure, hey, this is exactly what we want, and then we're going we're gonna to crank them out. So be looking for that. That knife is going to be coming, like, real soon. So uh, Mike Henniger is one of the guys that works at, uh, at LT Wright Handcrafted Knives. He had come down to Kentucky uh, again a couple months ago and took a man tracking class that I was teaching for a local search and rescue team. Tracy Trimble and I were teaching. And uh, so I always like talking to Mike. He was the editor at Self-Reliance Illustrated. So uh, I talked to him quite a bit when I was writing for them. And uh, so they're all doing their thing. They look real professional, by the way. LT's crew, uh, everybody had the matching shirts on and looked good. And they were very friendly, very professional. And so uh, it's always great to hang out with them. And I'll just, if, if any of the LT Wright folks are listening in, I'm just going to tell you my favorite person at the LT Wright booth is Elaine, just so you know. Uh, LT's wife, Elaine, is a super nice lady. I've always enjoyed chatting with her on the phone when I've been ordering knives for, for myself and for students. And, and um, you know, I know what my wife has to put up with being, you know, the wife of someone who is self, a self-employed business owner. So I assume that Elaine has to deal with a lot of that crap too. <laughs> so I always try to say hello and and uh, and uh, just have friendly conversation with her and, and uh, make sure she knows she's doing good work too. <laughs> so it's it's a tough job. Um, from there, I just started meandering around. I met up with several people that I had never met in person. Uh, one of the one of the things that uh, ended up happening is over at Riz River's Edge Cutlery, Mike Kent and his son Riley, They now I've met them. Those two guys, uh, Mike and his son Riley, they have come to several Nature Reliance School classes. They've been to Survival up in Pennsylvania that I taught with David and Clint. And they uh, have come down to Kentucky for Scout Tracker class. They've come down for Land Nav. Actually, they appear in the Essential Wilderness Navigation book. Uh, they're the father and son that are in that book. So if you have that book, check them out. But Mike is one of the owners of Rivers Edge Cutlery. And so he's, man, they sell a bunch of quality equipment, quality blades. And so check them out. Uh, but I chatted with them for a while and 
and because uh, they're good people. And while I was chatting with him, I noticed that they had some hidden woodsman gear in their booth. So I went down, check out some of Malcolm's work, and then Malcolm showed up, gave me a big hug. Uh, Malcolm uh, is the owner, designer, and official sewer of hidden woodsman gear so it's it was good to finally meet him in person he makes some quality gear and i've got several pieces of his, of his stuff and uh, so check them out uh, hidden woodsman pouches and bags and packs and over-the-shoulder bags and all kinds of good stuff looked like he had some new small pouches there that uh, would be nice way to organize your gear and so check those out all kinds of good stuff there so a uh, couple of other people that I ran into, I went over, I always like to, basically you get a big map and it shows the, you know, dozens and dozens of booths and who's in them. And so what I did when I got the map is I just circled a few that I, people that I knew I wanted to go see. And then I started not really just uh, happenstance meandering, but I, I just went to specific booths and didn't really look at anything else while I was on the way there. But went over and talked to Rob over at Double Star Knives. Double Star is a company that builds ARs here in Winchester, Kentucky, where I'm from. And so anytime I go anywhere far away, I love talking to the guys at Double Star just for that Winchester connection kind of talk and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I, I own and use a Double Star AR-15 and have for years. And uh, they, a few years ago, got into building some blades and... So I went over to talk to them about their knives and see what they've got going on. And, and I think Rob and I are going to get together and do some programming and maybe even uh, do some training. He's, he's uh, I don't know exactly what his background is, but this is the way a lot of martial artists work. He, he said, we need to train together, man. And I was like, cool, that's fine. Because, I mean, he's a blade guy. He knows how to, you know, slice and dice in, for self-defense and stick fighting. And, and I know grappling. And so, you know, he said, Hey man, I would love to learn some of what you do and, and I would share with you what I've got. And so that's, we're going to get together and do some of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Then I ran into my buddy, Doug Meyer. Doug is a primitive skills technologist. Uh, he teaches a class for us. We try, we've, we've, I don't know how many, he taught one class for nature Reliance school, but he, he taught two others. I think I can't remember now for the military camps that I used to have a contract for. So I had Doug come in and teach primitive skills. Um, Doug's, Doug's a good dude. He, he was hanging out at the Condor booth with Joe Flowers. Joe Flowers, if you remember, was on the Survival Show podcast a couple weeks ago. And so I chatted with Doug there for quite a while. Well, not quite a while. We were both just kind of, I think it was his first Blade show too. So we were just talking about how much stuff is there and it's crazy. And all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, that's that's an idea of some of the good things to, that happen. And basically, just add to that, I went walking around some more and just met other people that I had interest in meeting. And ran into uh, just, and I literally did almost run into Jack Richland from Black Scout Society. Uh, he's He did a review of one of my, I think the first book that went almost viral and helped sell a lot of those books. So I was thanking him for that. And uh, just went around and met as many people as I could that I purposely went there to see. So that was cool. Uh, really nice. Uh, Doug introduced me to Ethan Becker. If you don't know who Ethan Becker is and you've heard of Becker Knives, then that's who Ethan Becker is. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Older gentleman. You could tell he's been Blade Show a few times. And uh, really nice to meet guys that are older 
that have been around for a while just to hear their wisdom and talk to them and hear what they have to say. That was an opportunity that I didn't want to miss when Doug offered to introduce me because Doug's a friend of his and knows him really well. But yeah, that's the some of the good. I, I highly recommend you check out Blade Show. Uh, some If you want to get in cheap, get tickets ahead of time. And if you want to stay cheap, then get in one of the campgrounds above Atlanta. Because Doug Meyer told me he was staying in a hotel that was $175 a night. I don't know if that's average or what. You could talk to other people and find out what the what the uh price is but a campground come on i mean it was it's campground i mean i'm an outdoorsman so i love being outside and uh that's some ideas for the good what we'll do is we'll come back in part two and in part two we'll talk about some of the bad and the ugly that came out of blade as well so until then keep it simple stay sharp